Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Welcome to Kindled Podcast. I'm your host, Haley Williams, and this is the show where we talk about work, motherhood, and the grace we need for both. We are making and being made. Come join us. Hello, hello. Welcome back to Kindled Podcast. I'm your host, Haley Williams. Today, I'm going to be chatting with the ladies of Risen Motherhood, Emily Jensen and Laura Whiffler. They are everyone's favorite sister-in-laws, right? I mean, you guys love them too. I've been listening to these girls' podcasts for as long as I've actually been listening to podcasts, so it was just a, a joy to get to finally chat with them and have a conversation about why moms need gospel hope and not simply the hope of just being a good or a better mom. Emily and Laura are so down to earth and real about what it looks like in their own life when they're not putting their hope in Jesus. So this conversation was extremely encouraging and uplifting for me, and I know it will be for you too. So here's my conversation with Laura and Emily. Hello, ladies. Hello. Hey, we're excited to be here. Thanks for having us. Yes, I'm so excited to be chatting with you guys. Uh, We were just mentioning before we started recording that... We have some mutual friends and they are actually the ones, because Emily, you used to go to my church here in Kansas City, (laughs) and they're the ones that introduced me to your show years ago. And then it got me thinking, how long have you guys actually been podcasting? Oh, about, is it three and a half years right now? Yeah. Yeah. We're heading into our fourth year of podcasting, which is crazy. Wow. So for the listeners that have not heard of you, which, you know, I would be surprised if someone hasn't, but um, (laughs) could you just tell us what Risen Motherhood is and how it got started? Sure. Yeah. Well, Risen Motherhood started, we kind of joke with potty training, even though that that's actually very true. Um, (laughs) We were chatting over an app called Voxer, Emily and I, we were living about five hours apart at the time and just having these conversations about motherhood, like what does the Bible say about potty training? Like, is there, is there anything that the Bible speaks to about this topic? Or maybe it was about getting up in the middle of the night or how we feed our kids or, you know, just the millions of questions that we had, like Emily and I were swapping a lot of practical advice, but we also were saying, well, what does the Bible say about these things? Like if our faith should matter to everyday life and in every little thing, well, then how do we connect it? You know, we were asking these questions to one another. So that's how the show got started as we tried to answer some of these questions and articulate them because we found that so many other women were asking the same questions as us. And we kind of did this five episode mini series. We had this plan to fade off into the distance and just put them out there and then never do it again. But the response was really, really good and really positive. And women started asking for more and more topics and said, Hey, can you cover this one or that one? And so that's the rest is history, I yeah. suppose <laughs> from there. Um, and risen motherhood, the mission it has always been the same, honestly, from the start for risen motherhood, just to point women to the gospel and to help them connect their faith and everyday life. We want to encourage, equip and challenge moms 
in that vein, like that we want to help moms do that and come alongside them and say, Hey, we're doing this. Do you want to do it with us? We're not the leaders. We're not the experts. We don't Mm -hmm. see ourselves as so far down the path. We see ourselves as friends that are locking arms Mm -hmm. with our community and saying, let's pursue the gospel together. Yeah. That's so cool. And I almost got chills really as you were speaking about like thinking of fading off to the distance and then women were asking like, Hey, could you do more? I mean, what a perfect, of course, you know, God wasn't surprised by that. What a perfect setup for you to be like, Oh, okay. I mean, yeah, sure. We could do that. You know, (laughs) realizing like that there was such a need for applying the gospel to these everyday situations that we really face as moms that Sometimes you feel like, I don't really think there is a specific thing for me. I just, you know, have patience or just hang in there, whatever it is. But you really do an awesome job with really applying biblical truths to super practical and down-to-earth things that moms are facing every day. So thank you. I'm very grateful that you guys started your ministry and are continuing in it. Thank you. So before we go any further, would each of you introduce yourself and your family? Sure. So I'm Emily Jensen, and I've been married to my husband for 10 years this fall, and we have five children. Our oldest is almost seven. Like all of my kids have birthdays practically in August. <laughs> it's a busy month. I don't know when this is coming out necessarily, but I'll just go ahead and give you their ages then. So uh, our oldest is seven. Then we have twins that are five, another son that's four, and then our daughter's turning two. So we have four boys and one girl. So we're, we're pretty busy and that's mm-hmm. kind of our family life. No pets. Right now, <laughs> she made sure Amen. to point that out. <laughs> that. I had uh, our twins brought in some toads yesterday, and they're like, "Mommy, look at our new pets!" And I was like, "Those are going back outside." <laughs> oh my gosh! I know. Sometimes I get like a little bit, you know, wishful of like, well, it would be so fun for them to have a pet, you know? And then I'm just like, what am I thinking? I'm taking care of humans. I can't, do it. can't have an animal. Yeah, it does sound idyllic. Yes. Yeah. Um, well, I'm Laura and I'm married to Mike. I'm actually Emily's sister-in-law. So Emily is married to my brother is how the relationship works. And um, <laughs> I have three kiddos, a six-year-old, four-year-old, and two-year-old. So one boy and two girls. Okay, fun. And no pets. And no pets. We had a fish, but <laughs> the fish has passed. Yeah. <laughs> oh, see, okay. Actually, I lied. We do have a fish. Oh. a pet. But it's the best kind. Let's of be real. It's actually my husband's fish. I don't even oh. take care of it. I well, I don't even way. feed it. Actually, one Good. day he no, not one day he left out of town for like three days, and I forgot to feed the fish because it's just not my thing. And yeah, I mean, yeah. it's sitting on the counter in the kitchen. I just never do it because I don't know. He's just more consistent than me. <laughs> so I literally didn't feed it for three or four days, and he came home. He's like, "You've been feeding the fish, right?" And I was like. Uh, no. <laughs> of course, but it was still alive. So it's the fish that won't die. Yes. Oh, good. The best kind. He is resilient. <laughs> okay. So what does, you've kind of mentioned risen motherhood as far as the podcast and the ministry goes, but I would love to know, since we talk about work and motherhood on Kindled, what does work look like for you guys every day? Yeah. So we both work from home. It's one huge, awesome thing to be able to do. And I am the executive director of Risen Motherhood. We became a nonprofit sometime last fall. So it gave me a really fancy title (laughs) at that time. (laughs) But basically it means that I wear a lot of hats and I'm assisting pretty much everyone on our team. We're a team of seven now to help them kind of make sure they have what they need to get their jobs done. And then of course I do a lot of content production. So Emily and I record the podcast write microblogs, you know, developing equipping resources, social media stuff, like all sorts of different things. 
And I feel like there is no day that's the same. I try to work early in the morning and then during rest time, we don't have full on nap time anymore. We just have rest time. Mm-hmm. But, um, and then I have childcare about eight hours a week. So I work about 30, but I kind of fit it into all those little spots throughout the week. Mm-hmm. That's really similar to my rhythm too. I'm doing the early mornings, the rest time, and then I have yes. about eight or eight or nine hours of childcare too. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah, a pretty good rhythm. Kind of make it work and mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's never exactly the same, but then neither is your work. So Correct. Yep. That's right. Yeah. So yeah, Laura and I co-founded. And so she's the executive director. I feel like she does way more than what she was able to share right right there, but she keeps everyone, all the plates spinning and I am the content director. And so basically I would say I deal more with like, I'd say our mission centered content versus more of like our marketing focused content and help with like the podcast. Obviously we co-host that together. I'd say like on any given week, I'm probably editing something, reviewing something, um, just strategizing with Laura. So it's really great. And summer is just really interesting because our kids, when they're in school throughout the year, my work rhythm is like really steady. And I just work a few hours every afternoon while my littles are napping. And it's, it's pretty consistent. But in the summer, and I guess it's been pretty consistent in the summer too. I'm mostly an <laughs> afternoon worker. And I think with just the ages and stages of our kids, I've had a really hard time working early mornings or working evenings or working weekends. Like when all my kids are awake and home, like I have to be pretty, pretty on target. So yeah, that's me. (laughs) Yeah. So five kids, what's the span of your kids' ages? Our oldest two. Yeah. Seven to two, five, five, six years. Mm -hmm. Wow. Okay. I'm the oldest of five and I come from the opposite four girls, one boy, but there's an 11 year gap. So when my baby sister was born, I was, you know, I was 11. My mom actually let me come in the room and see her be born. So I was like (gasps) her babysitter, her more like her aunt than a sister, Mm -hmm. you know, at that age. So, yeah, but it's really fun. And it's so, so fun as adults. Like I don't see myself wanting five kids, but the one thing that would convince me is how good my re- relationships are now with my siblings as adults. Aww, like it's, that's so, awesome it's to hear best friends, like, and we're just Aww. so close. So it's really, well, that's really encouraging. It is encouraging. Some moments I'm like, just because yeah. they're, they're so close and they play together all the time. And so naturally there's a lot of opportunities for conflict, but yeah. I'm always so encouraged when I see like bigger families that just love each yeah. other and so much energy and conversation and friendship. Yeah. It's so fun because, I mean, you know, my kids have four aunts and now four of the five of us are married. So it's really doubled as far as aunts and yeah. uncles. And and it's just, I mean, and we fought so much as kids. I don't even <laughs> think I had a good relationship with my brother till I went to college. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. We were both sharing the basement. And so, like, I would hear him late at night on his phone. And I our, we shared, our beds shared a wall. Like, so our heads were probably a foot away from each other. Uh-huh. And so I'd hear him on the phone and all I, all I would hear through the wall was like, uh, 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 uh. <laughs> and I would just like bang on the wall and be like, shut up. I'm trying to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> we like, we fought so much until I went to college and getting that space really, it just made us like respect and kind of see each other differently than we ever. Totally. Had. Cool. Yep. Yeah. There's hope parents. That's, yes. what that's- <laughs> oh, <that's good. laughs> absolutely. So the next question I want to ask you guys each to answer is where are you seeing God's grace in your life? This is, I don't, I don't mean to be cheesy, but as I was kind of thinking, you know, I took a second to think about this and I think that I was like everywhere and I feel like it's the, the, the Jesus answer in Sunday school. But, you know, when I stop and think about it, I'm just like, 
man, God's grace is completely and wholly sustaining my life. And I know that I would be nowhere without him. I would, I would just be nothing. And so, you know, if I, if I need to be specific, I guess with it, I definitely would say there's a huge shift in my life right now going on with understanding like what rest looks like and God granting me that as a gift of his grace and just allowing me to rest in him while I'm kind of this classic overachiever. I'm a um, type A or whatever you want to say. I just like to do go, 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 go. And I went through a season of burnout last fall and I'm kind of still recovering from that. And so I think God's been really gracious to actually even put me through that in a way and to help me see my limitations and that, you know, I'm not a deity. I'm a human with a lot of limits. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I'm with Laura. I was thinking about this. I'm like everywhere, every day. I could have like sung a little song about it. <laughs> um, I didn't, I did not write a song for you guys, but Darn it. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> I think for me, just on a daily basis, I'm always amazed because I have so much on my to-do list. I have so many things that need to be accomplished. There's so many needs from the children, from the ministry. And right now, you know, we're kind of wanting to get the word out there even about the book. And so there's just a lot on the calendar and it always feels like there's no way all of this is going to get done. And Mm -hmm. I don't even know how I'm going to get my childcare arranged or if naps are going to sink or if I'm going to be able to get the laundry folded or the house picked up. And just day after day, it's amazing when I just trust God and focus on what he has given me to do then. And I'm just kind of plodding along like slow and faithful to work hard when people aren't looking, when people are looking like just all the time, he really provides what I need when I need it. Um, and, or like things don't end up needing to be done that I thought needed to be done or something goes a lot quicker than I thought. So it's not like a magic formula. I don't want to make it sound like that. It's just more God allows me to get done what it is that he wants and needs me to do. And he really orders my day and allows me to, to do what's important and, and set aside what's not important. I'm just really, really grateful for that. Yeah. I think that's, you put that really well because I mean, what mom doesn't feel that way at some point, you know, and if not like all the time, how is this all going to get done? You know, and there's just, you know, obstacle after obstacle that we feel like we're trying to overcome. And if we sit and think about all of the hard things or all of the reasons that something might not happen or work, or we might not be able to do it, then we do get into a place that is really defeating and, and really just kind of focused on ourselves. And that inevitably leads to, you know, I don't know, better word for depression, but just kind of being like, just having a terrible outlook on what is possible. But when you're, I mean, I think that's one way I've grown a lot in the last couple of years is just not giving myself the luxury of sitting or sitting there and dwelling on all of the difficulties and all of the challenges yeah. like you said, because I would always feel like, and I have felt many times, like I just simply don't have enough hours in the day. Like I just yeah. can't get this done. I don't understand I feel like I'm out. My life is out of my own control, and it's just yeah. like I don't know what I'm supposed to do. But not dwelling on what feels like reality, because God is outside of our physical time and space, and His reality trumps ours every time. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I think it's so important to ask the Lord. Okay, what have You called me to today? And so often in busy seasons, I'm looking ahead and saying, "Well, how much?" do that thing next week or that thing next year, or how am I going to get to this goal or whatever it is? And 
just stepping back when I feel those overwhelmed, stressed out feelings creep up and say, Lord, what have you called me to be faithful to today? And usually it's like a lot smaller and it's yeah, a lot it's more a lot achievable. More yeah. yeah. You know, mm-hmm. uh, to disciple and love my kids well, you know, to spend yeah. time with them, to maybe do a work project, you know, and I think that that can kind of take away some of those really big anxieties that creep up when we start to misplace like where our focus is. And then just remembering, like, I think this goes back to me really working harder at resting, which would just be to say, like, where is my hope found? Like, is my hope being found in me getting a ton of stuff done and looking awesome and impressing people? Or is my hope just found in the sustaining grace of Jesus Christ? And I think when it's placed there, it's okay that like some stuff doesn't get done. You know, it's just kind of the reality of being a human with limits. And I'm sure we'll talk about this more, so I won't go super deep into it, but I just think like going back to what have you called me to in this moment right now? And the other thing I wanted to mention was Kathy Keller has this awesome quote that she just talks about. God doesn't give you hypothetical grace for your hypothetical future or your hypothetical worries. Oh, I know that quote, but I don't know it. Um, Man. Okay. I'll have to go back and check it. Uh, You can get this too out of the interview, but it's so good because I think we're all like kind of saying like, what am I going to do? How am I going to do it? And just recognizing like, that grace is meeting me for today and in this moment. And when I need it in the future for that thing that's worrying me, the Lord is going to provide. He's going to be there. He's going to show up. He always does. Yeah. I just pulled it up. It's God doesn't give hypothetical grace for our hypothetical nightmare situation. He only gives us grace for our actual situation. Yes. Yep. There, see, it's even better than what I said. Yep. <laughs> it's good. It's good either way. Yeah. That's really, that's really good. Okay. So, kind of shifting gears a little bit. I think this is going to come up again, but you guys wrote a book and it's coming out in a couple months in September. And I would love for you to just kind of give us like high level 10,000 foot view of what the book is about. And, and we can kind of get launched into some of those topics from there. Sure. I guess the the 10,000 foot view would just be, we really wanted to give moms a framework for hope and a framework for thinking about the challenges that they face in motherhood that is not anchored to their current circumstances or the challenges they're facing in their relationship or it's not giving them a new formula or new practical tips and tricks, but is something that is never changing and that they can always have hope and faith in no matter what. And that is in the person and work of Jesus Christ and the things that God has written down in his word. And so the book really is in three sections and very simply put the first section is just introducing them to the good news that there is. And that's different news than what the culture shares. Mm. And then there's a huge section in the book where we really touch on a lot of different topics, marriage, self-care, relationships, food choices, hospitality, all these different facets and discuss what the gospel has to do with that very ordinary everyday thing. And then we kind of end the book by giving people a little bit more practical wisdom to say like, this is how you learn to think this way and how you learn to do this, even if your situation is not anywhere in this book. So our hope is at the end of it that a mom would feel equipped to apply the gospel right where she's at and to hope more in Christ and look to him and whatever she's facing. Yeah, that's so cool. I'm really excited about this book. I think it's going to be just, it sounds like it's going to be like an extension of like what your show has done for years Certainly. Yeah. But in maybe the best of the best of like what you <laughs> like, yeah, you know, your and favorite thing. That's a good are, way to put it. 
yeah, it's, we've definitely, I think in some ways there are topics in the book that we have covered on the show, but we've grown so much since we've spoken about a lot of those topics or we have fresh ideas or fresh stories. So our hope is that it would be like kind of a familiar friend, you know, if you've engaged in our ministry, you'll be like, Oh yeah, this is RM. But at the same time, there's this fresh new take on a lot of these things, or even just some things that we've, we've just never shared before that people will find to be helpful. Yeah, that's so cool. Out of curiosity, what, what as we're kind of talking about, you said the framework, and then I thought of your Risen Motherhood framework that you always yeah. go through with, with whatever topic you're covering. Can you walk people through what that is and then tell us like where that came from? Because it's obviously genius because, you know, God invented it, but I, <laughs> I just, I, it, it works every time. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Like it, it, it really helps you break down a topic. So could you kind yeah, of sure. give people an idea of what that is? Sure. Yeah. Oh, okay. I can go. go ahead. <laughs> Sorry, we're both looking at each other, like starting to go. So the framework that uh, you're referencing is creation, fall, redemption, consummation, or some people also say redemption at times. So restoration. Oh, redemption. <laughs> restoration. <laughs> I can't even say it. We typically use consummation, but yeah. So basically those are the four maybe building blocks of the gospel. And we see that as I'm not sure where we got it from. That was a good question. Yeah, you, there's I can a, explain them, but a lot of different lot of places that use them. And so we have like resources on our site that are more not necessarily focused on motherhood, but just like gospel fluency is mm-hmm. one. There's a gospel primer. There's yeah, there's several. It's not unique to us. Yeah. So we, I just want to make that that part maybe clear. Yeah. <laughs> um, we didn't invent it. Like you said, God, it was God's idea. But it's been a helpful framework for Emily and myself. It's something that I feel like I was kind of just raised with, of a way to think through the gospel narrative and looking at the big picture, the meta narrative of scripture. And so creation is really just that God created us in his image and he gave us a mandate to uh, be fruitful and multiply, to cultivate the earth. And that's kind of what we look at at the beginning of the show is how did God intend the world to be created? Like what, what did he do in the creation account? And that's really Genesis one through three. And then we look at the fall and this happens in Genesis three. And we look at how, you know, Adam and Eve, they ate of the fruit, but what did that really mean? What, what was their heart behind that? And um, it was a misplaced worship or the sin of pride that they that sent entered the world because of them eating the fruit. And it was just a reflection of them desiring to be gods themselves and to not agree with God's plan. And so now we have sin, which has infected all of creation. It's affected our bodies. It's affected the earth. It's affected how we think about things, our hearts, all of that stuff. And so that's what we're living in right now. And so often, it helps to explain our motivations behind why we live the way we do, the why, why we say the things that we say. The fall really helps us understand what went wrong. And then we have uh, redemption. And this is when Jesus Christ came and he died. He lived the perfect life in our place. He lived in a world that was full of sin. He um, had a body that was affected by sin and he felt the weakness that we feel. He he felt temptations that we feel, yet he lived perfectly and he did all that God called him to do on this earth. And yet then he went to the cross and he died 
on our behalf, giving us his righteousness. And that gift is a free gift that we receive. And now we can image God on this earth. We can grow in holiness and be sanctified. And that's what we're all building towards now is towards that consummation that we use. And that's that eternal perspective of looking to where God is bringing his whole story, which is to the return of Jesus Christ and to all of us being in heaven with God and rejoicing and worshiping forever. And that gives us hope knowing that this life isn't all there is. This isn't all that it's about, but that there's so much more that we're living towards. And until then, we have the gift of the Spirit. We have the local church. We have the Word. So many gifts that God has given us until uh, we see Him face to face. So, there we go. (laughs) Do you have anything to add to that, Emily? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's, it's really interesting in terms of how we have thought about that and made connections to motherhood. I think whenever we're looking at a topic, you know, let's say the the choices we make for food for our family, right? That feels very mundane. I'm feeding my family three times a day, at least maybe five. (laughs) You know, it depends if they're snacking. Um, It's something we encounter a lot and it can feel like a big part of our lives. So then if we are wanting to think about that in light of the gospel, we really have to have a, a full understanding of the whole counsel of God. Like we have to be careful that we're not just picking and choosing a few verses here and there that we like, but we look at the whole counsel of God and say, you know, what, what is God's design for food and for our bodies and what we would worship, you know, what Laura was saying. And it's not, you know, only seen in the creation account, but we've got wisdom literature Mm -hmm. and we've got poetry and we've got parables and we've got things that the apostles say. And we look at all those different facets to get this whole picture of God's design for our relationship with food. Okay. So I'm getting my mind around that. And now I'm going to begin to look at my own heart and realize, man, I'm probably sinning in the way that I'm looking at this, or I don't have a right, rightly ordered worship. And so how can I further trust Christ and to look to him? That's that redemption element that comes in. And, and there's also this element of repentance that we need to look at, right? Where do I need to turn away from my sin and turn to Christ and rest more fully in what he's done for me knowing that nothing else can save me? And then there's that really practical element. If you're thinking about food choices, okay, I'm, I'm starting to think about this more rightly. I'm putting my hope in Christ. I'm realizing that, you know, all foods are clean or whatever it is, the conclusion that you've come to from scripture. And now when we look ahead, we have, again, this hope, Jesus Christ is going to come back. And that's really the bigger mission that I'm looking towards and the bigger end that I'm, I'm viewing. It's not just what snack are we going to have this afternoon? That's important, but that's not necessarily an eternal decision. So what decisions am I making that are eternal? And we're just hoping that as we apply that framework to these very real situations, we're helping ourselves and hopefully helping other moms like view the the unseen or keep the, the eternal in mind and not just the temporal thing that feels really, really big today. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I, I think you, you just kind of answered my next question, which was why do moms need gospel hope? Because we do get you know, stuck in the mire and the muck of just our everyday, so many decisions that we have to make and so many things that we're facing where we are seeking to be quote unquote good moms, whether that is in our food choices or in how we are scheduling our time or what kind of activities we're doing with our kids or how we're training them and teaching them. And, you know, there's just so many fronts that we are kind of always holding in tension and also simultaneously all the time, 
always feeling like we're feeling at, you know, and <laughs> never feeling like you're, I mean, maybe sometimes you feel like an awesome mom and then two seconds <laughs> later, you know, that gets like, right. window. so true. And, you know, I, I think that concept of quote unquote, good mom, I think that that might be maybe the, the motivation or what might drive someone to like click on, uh, on an episode that's like, you know, how do I feed my family or what types of snacks should we be eating or whatever? It's that like, okay, maybe I'm going to find the answer to what right. I'm after. I'm seeking how to be a really good, I want to be a good mom, obviously. And that's not a bad desire to be, you know, a good mom, but what would you guys say we should really be pursuing rather than that? Because I think what you're, what you were already sort of touching on is like, the, our eternal perspective goes so far beyond being a quote unquote good mom. And, and that is sort of where the hope comes in. But what would you say is broken or, you know, deficient in that perspective of just seeking to be a good mom? Yeah. I mean, just to back up a little bit, you know, the culture is going to tell us like exactly what you said, mm-hmm, right? There mm-hmm. is a, a formula. And if you can just figure it out, you're mm-hmm. going to have the answer. Um, there's a research study that you can find that's going to give you more information, even like within different pockets of uh, different uh, areas of our country or different cultural pockets have different answers. So I guess the standard of good is extremely fickle. Mm-hmm. And so to start, I would just say, we've got to root our definition again of some of good to something that is outside of culture or our time or era. And it's got to be in the Bible because that's the word of God that's unchanging. And then additionally, there's this approval we want, right? I want to be affirmed and know that I am a good mom. I want to know that I'm enough is another way that sometimes people say that. And so okay, well, some days our husbands are going to notice our hard work and other times they're not. And sometimes our mom friends are going to compliment us or they're going to like our post on social media. And sometimes they're not, and we're going to feel like we're a failure. And so we can't root our affirmation and our approval in something fickle and ever changing. It's got to be rooted in something permanent and eternal and redemptive. And that's the only answer to that is Jesus Christ. So I think as we look around us, and we see all these different answers. If a mom is still in the, the place of trying to find her formula, find her fix, find her affirmation in anything other than the hope of Jesus Christ, she's going to continue to come to this place of despair, discouragement, just that overwhelmed feeling. Or if she's succeeding, she's mm-hmm. going to be living and walking in pride and maybe like false self-sufficiency, which Mm -hmm. can be poisoning in other ways. So Mm -hmm. that's really answers that maybe first part of the question of like, why do moms need gospel hope? We can just see the deficiency of the hope. I think we say this in the book, but like if motherhood is so great and if it's like the best job in the world and we can be so good at it, how come we still need so much help? And how come every answer we try doesn't work? Mm -hmm. It's because that's not the way God Mm -hmm. designed or needs to be filled. Right. Yeah. I think it's like, as you're saying, Emily, like Jesus is the only one that we can look to, to make us good. And when you were talking a little bit earlier about, well, it's not, it's not bad to want to be a good mom. I think that that if we root our hope and our identity in Jesus Christ and in his goodness, the overflow of that, the security of that actually allows us to make wise food choices and to consider, oh, do I want to use cloth diapers or do I want to use, you know, disposable diapers or, hey, should I stop breastfeeding? Where should I educate my kids at? Like, where should I send them to school? All of those questions are still valuable and good questions. 
But the point that we're trying to make is that it's, it's the place that you make them from of is this education is homeschooling is public school. Is this kind of going to make my kids successful and good? Is it going to make me a good mom? Like that's how I think a lot of us come to is like, Oh, what question can I ask or answer that makes me a good mom? And someday I'm going to have successful kids, but instead kind of turning that on its head and saying, okay, I already know that like, I know the one that makes me good. I know that I have eternal security in Christ. And so now I can look at all the choices and I can make a wise decision based on what my husband desires, what God's word says, what wise friends and family are helping me know. And then I can make that decision and I can also change. And I can know that like, Oh, that, that didn't work out quite as well. Okay. Well, I'm not destroyed. I'm not filled with shame because maybe I didn't do it right, right. but we can adjust and we can tweak and we can change. And I think that is like some of the best news of the gospel is that we're never stuck. We're never stuck in sin. We're never stuck in a decision, but that when we really know where identi- our identity is rooted, like we can kind of walk forward in freedom and make choices for our family in a way that is wise and, and is evaluating the options carefully and thinking about where we live and the context that we're in and all that stuff. But it's also saying like, I'm doing that with an open hand and I'm not clenching my fists and expecting this to be the end all be all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's so, it's so true. And I'm, I'm sure everybody is thinking of their situation as you're talking mm-hmm. about whatever that decision is that, that you are kind of struggling with, whether that's right. like sending your kids to school or what was I trying to say? Like an allergy or a health yeah. situation that a child has and how to handle that. Right. And we all have those real decisions that we actually do have to make. And we actually do have to draw a line or say, okay, we're pursuing this. So this is what we're going to do. But when we are doing that from, like you said, from a place of, I am the deity here and Mm -hmm. either I am going to succeed and cause my family to flourish and I'm the source of that flourishing or I'm going to fail and cause my family to, you know, be destroyed. Like that's, those decisions are a noose around our neck because really we're always going to get pushed off the platform because Mm -hmm. that is really just, you know, the fact is that life is not perfect. This world is broken. There will be things, whether you choose to send your kid to that private school or that public school that make you go, maybe I made the wrong choice. This isn't going how I thought because we can't determine outcomes. And it's just such a different way to move through your life. Um, you know, when you're starting from a place of knowing what makes you secure, what makes you good is not you at all or your decisions, but Mm -hmm. it's only. So Mm -hmm. yeah, I I just really love that you guys always bring it back to that no matter what it is that that we're facing because we all need those reminders, you know, we just need them every day. So you obviously love listening to podcasts, but have you ever thought about launching your own? If so, you're going to want to listen up. I want to tell you about the It's Time for Your Podcast course, coming soon from my friend Jeanette Tapley. Jeanette is the owner, operator, and podcast producing mastermind over at It's Time for Coffee, a podcast production company and podcast show. Jeanette loves to come alongside those who have the vision, heart, and the voice to start their podcast, but feel ill-equipped or intimidated by all the technical and logistical work it requires to make it a reality. In order to help and empower more women in their podcast journey, Jeanette will be launching the It's Time for Your Podcast course, a six-week course that will walk you through launching your very own podcast 
coming this September. She's going to take you from, I might start a podcast one day, to airing your first episode before 2019 is even over. To keep up with her show, stay in the loop about this amazing course, or for podcast tips and tricks, make sure to follow her over on Instagram at Jeanette Tapley. How have you guys seen yourselves grow in your own lives with this? Because you're doing it all the time, but I know you're just you're just humans and you're just, <laughs> you know, facing your own new situations all the time where you're like, Oh yeah. Okay. I gotta, I gotta apply this. What have been like some practical, you know, application that you've seen in your own life? I mean, I can probably tick through a list that of decisions that I've made in motherhood where I was wound up and super, I felt like these are the pinnacle of my motherhood. Like I have to get these answers right, particularly in those newborn days, right? When I was a first time mom, I can just, I can vividly remember those moments of like, picking a swaddle or a pacifier or a car seat and just feeling like, Oh, I have to get this right. And I'm going to do all the research and stay up really late. And I don't know what to do. And I'm failing my child. I'm such a bad mom. And just rehearsing uh, that kind of narrative in my mind, I think it just got exhausting. And that was about the time that Emily and I started talking a little bit more about gospel hope and motherhood. And I think that since that time, I mean, absolutely not perfect at it, but there has been so much freedom for me to feel like it's okay if they don't get a perfect night's sleep and develop their brain, you know, like the experts say, you know, all these things are, you know, it's, it's okay if, if sometimes we have a mix of the type of foods that we eat, like in some season, it's more healthy. And in some seasons, you know, I'm busier and I'm not able to do as much. And I think that having that freedom for me has made me more patient with my children, has made me more kind to them, to slow down, to really see them. I feel like it's changed my motherhood in like every single way. Once that the gospel got so deep in my bones that it just started to ooze out of me a little bit more. I felt like Mm -hmm. I could mother from a place of rest and peace and not from a place that felt like the world was burdened and on my shoulders. And I think that that's like, that's like our heart. That's our burden that we carry for all the moms that listen at risen motherhood is like, we want them to find that freedom too, you know, and to feel like that there truly can be peace, joy and rest in motherhood. It can be a wonderful thing. And I think that I just felt tangled up and I was a stressed out ball of anxiety and worry at times, but I'm so thankful for the freedom in the gospel that again, it's not, I'm not perfect. I definitely have moments, but that it's, it's just, I think really even, um, improved my relationship with my kids and my husband and okay, I could go on, but I will let, I'll let Emily jump in. Yeah, no, yeah. I mean, I would say mine is very similar of, I just find often that I'm not caught up in the minutia of the decisions that I make. I feel so free from yeah. that. And I feel now able to focus on my, on heart attitudes and on what we're valuing and what we're worshiping as a family. And I can get there so, so much faster. And so I guess I would also just want to talk about guilt a little bit. And that for me, I can really struggle with that immediate sense of guilt, right? So like right now, actually, I don't have um, as much childcare as I usually do this week. And so I'm kind of piecing things together. I'm spinning more plates than I normally do. And so my responses are maybe a little bit shorter and I may say a harsh word or like throw out some discipline thing that's like not going to happen. Like, we're not going to have that play date later if you guys don't stop. And I'm like, we're definitely going on the play date. We've got to get out of here. So yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, stuff like that. And, and then immediately after I say that, 
I know that that doesn't honor God. And I know that that's not reflecting Christ. So then there's that guilt that settles in on my shoulders. And I think before I've really got the gospel like deep in my bones, I would have stayed there for a long, long Mm -hmm. time. And it might've impacted me for days or weeks or months. It might have made me feel this kind of artificial distance in my relationship with God. And it might've made me not want to read my Bible or not want to continue worshiping him or growing with him. And it just perpetuates this continual disobedience and not worshiping the Lord. Mm -hmm. And now I know, no, I am, you know, it's, it's by faith through grace. I always get that like backwards. Um, and, and my full righteousness is in Christ and I can turn from the sin. I can turn to God. I, I can approach the throne confidently and I can tell God what happened and I can ask for his forgiveness. He will willingly give it to me through Christ and I'm fully in relationship with him. So guess what? Five minutes later or three minutes later, I can turn around and now treat my children with kindness kindness or I can apologize and we can keep going and keep persevering. So I think it's just given me a new perseverance because that guilty feeling doesn't mean I have to give up or that I've completely failed. Yeah, I have failed, but like Christ has extended grace and he's with me and, and he's going to help me keep going in obedience. That that's just changed everything Mm. for me. I think one other thought that I was having as you were talking is it also gives you so much security in the midst of other moms. So like Emily and I do a lot of things differently. I mean, we, we do a lot of things the same, but we do some things differently. And I think like so often with a mom who does things differently, you're kind of judging them or you're measuring yourself up or feeling like, man, am I like, do, is she doing it better than me? Like, should I be doing what she's doing or Hey, she should do it like me. You know, we, we bounce back and forth in all these directions. I think that's something else that when you're rooted in the gospel and tethered to it, you stop comparing yourself to other people. And and that might even be an Instagram mom, or that might be, you know, some other famous celebrity mom that you want to be like, but I think that that security is so helpful. And I, I, have found a lot of freedom from that as well of just feeling like I can be my own kind of unique mom and do it in my own way. And, you know, obviously like still trying to pursue God's word and his ways and what he calls us to, but I'm not looking right or left. I'm looking straight at the cross. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. I love how you guys brought out that it's not necessarily that you aren't sinning as much. I mean, obviously over the long haul of life, like you do hope to see, you know, yourself being sanctified and made more like Christ. But I I don't think it's always like less of the temptation or less of that situation that causes you to stumble. It's a quicker reflex of conviction and repentance and turning faster, you know? And instead of, like you said, Emily, getting stuck in that artificial separation, which I identify with so much because I'm very, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a lot like you, Laura, with like being high achiever and I need to do a good job. And if I don't, then I'm a failure. And now, and then I should just give up and quit because I'm terrible and I'm the worst. And <laughs> like, if we allow that to be the framework and allow that to be the truth, then, I mean, that's exactly what the enemy wants is for mm-hmm. us to be stuck in that cycle of failure and then distance. And then, you know, drifting away rather than letting our sin pull us back to him because we realize we need him, you know? And yeah. and that's like, that's why Jesus dying on the cross is the best news ever, because that's what enables us to do that. Yes. And that's what this is all about is taking the gospel truth and injecting it into your motherhood. Like, yeah. because 
so many Christian women, they are, they believe the gospel, they believe they're Christians, they're, they're saved, but they haven't injected that truth into their motherhood of, mm-hmm. of living in a way of, like you were describing, where you feel free from the minutia of the decisions and free from the weight and the burden of like, what if this doesn't work out? And so I think like just on a practical level that your ministry is that you guys do a great job of really driving those points home, you know, into yeah. very specific things that it does impact everything. You know, it yeah. isn't just like kind of a pie in the sky. It really, it really gets down into the weeds where we are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So true. What about for the woman who feels kind of like I was just describing, like she is failing, getting no nowhere, kind of floundering. What would be your advice to that mom who feels maybe a little bit alone or stuck in that struggle and is not experiencing the victory that she that you're describing and we're talking about that is ours in Christ, what would be your, you know, ad- encouragement and advice to her? Yeah. I mean, what's interesting about this, and I'm going to parrot an illustration that came from somebody wiser that I heard a long time ago that maybe you've heard. But what's interesting about this is that sometimes our growing awareness of our sin and Christ's holiness is actually an indication that we are maturing and we are kind of understanding God and his word even better. So the illustration is that, you know, as we progress just on our journey as a believer, our awareness of our sin continually increases mm-hmm. over the years. And we realize, man, this is a lot worse than I thought it was. And this yeah. goes way deeper than I ever imagined. And as soon as I like whack-a-mole one thing in my life, I notice 10 other mm-hmm. things crop up. And that is ever growing as we're maturing and it's humbling us more and more. And then on the other side of that, we, as we are growing and we're getting to know Jesus, we're reading his word and we're spending time with believers and we're worshiping him. We're going, wow, he is even more beautiful than I ever imagined. And he's even more righteous and good and holy than I, I ever knew. And he's just so, so good and so worthy of my worship. So you can see how that gap is getting wider and wider and wider. And we're, you know, even the apostle Paul says it, he's like, I am the chief of sinners. And he, he is speaking. I mean, this is a man who's like words were used to write script, you know, it's like written scripture and he's calling himself the worst sinner. And it just goes to show that we have to fill that in with the cross. And that's really just what we go back to year after year. Our hope is not that oh, I'm progressively climbing those stairs and I'm sinning less and getting better and better. But like, I have to now depend on Jesus even more for the grace Mm -hmm. that he gives. And I have to give even more faith in the thing that I cannot see that he's clothed me, you know, in the blood of the lamb. And that's the only thing that I have. I think about that a lot when I'm failing and here I am, you know, I don't know, 10 years or 13 years into, you know, following Christ. And I'm like, literally, I have nothing. All my works are filthy rags. I'm going to go before God and say, I don't have anything but the blood of your son to stand before you. And, and that's all we have when we're saved. And that's all we have at the end of our lives. So I know that's a little philosophical, but I hope that for the mom who's perpetually seeing her sin, that she would just trust more and more and more in the grace of Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's, it's a real mark of the believer to feel the spirit's conviction in your life, you know? And I think that gives you hope just to remember that like, this is good that I feel these things mm-hmm. because 
I think it's the Holy Spirit working in your life and it's, it's evidence of belief. And as far as like, even just maybe some practical things, I think the first thing is just remember that it does take a long time to see change. And that often as we grow in maturity, like these things aren't these overnight dramatic, like ta-da moments, but Mm -hmm. that there is the slow plot of the believer that is rewarded at the end. And so often I I just, I want to echo everything Emily said. I think that's so true. And just remember, just to remember that sometimes you're not going to see that overnight change, but Mm -hmm. that there is a, a, a growth happening in the quiet and in the secret places. I also would say just talk to a fellow believer. You know, sometimes they see fruit that we can't see and it can be really helpful to go meet with a good friend of yours, maybe your parents, maybe an older, wiser woman, and just someone who can help uncover potentially any lies that you might be believing about feeling guilty or feeling shame. And they can pray for you and encourage you. Obviously continue to pray for God to keep changing you, to set you free from the burdens that you're feeling. And I think those kind of things, like surrounding yourself with women and men who are just encouraging you to walk in the faith can be really, really helpful if you're feeling like you're constantly just being hit with all of these lies or with just not seeing that growth, that that's why God designed even the church to come alongside you and support you. So such good advice because yeah, when we are feeling like failures, we tend to isolate and get alone and just feel like we don't really deserve community or we we don't really want to be seen for how we really feel. And, and it's so, I found so many times in my own life, whether it's just the encouraging word of a friend or, um, you know, an older mentor that I'll meet with Mm -hmm. and she's just gives me such a word of grace that I'm like, Oh, okay. (laughs) That's just all I needed. I just needed someone to, to remind me of the truth and bring me back. And that the body is so perfect for that. And that's why God made it that way. Mm -hmm. So the one thing back to Emily, your, your illustration that the cross chart is what you're describing. Um, Put that in the show notes for people. So if you were having trouble, like envisioning what she was talking about, (laughs) it's like an X, Y chart with sin, awareness going on an upward trend and then the cross has to get bigger and bigger to bridge the gap between the yeah. x axis <laughs> okay i'm yeah. not an algebra or whatever geometry <laughs> 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 person i might have said that wrong but um but i will put that in the show notes because i i love that chart and i think it is really true that like as we are being made more like christ we will see our sin as more and more of, you know, that we will see the gap between us and God's holiness growing. And yet like the beauty is that we also see the cross growing and we see Jesus as more of this, of the savior that he is. We see him in his fullness. And instead of like, yeah, I only really need a little bit from you, Lord. Thank you. Um, so oh, yeah, amen. I love that. Okay. So I want to do like speed round for our last three questions. Cause I know we're up on time here, but <laughs> my last three questions that I like to ask guests are what is your favorite secret tip or life hack for mom? It doesn't have to be a secret, but something that just like helps your <laughs> life be, you know, maybe a, run a little more smoothly or feel like you have a little more control, even though you might not. <laughs> Yeah. So my favorite thing right now, it's the middle of summer. It's hot, 80, 90 degrees. And I love ice cubes on a cookie tray. I picked this up from a friend of mine. It's not as messy. It's not as big of a deal as pulling out the pool or pulling out the water table, put some ice cubes on a cookie tray. And I am shocked by how long my children will play with them. (laughs) I've never heard of this. Yeah, Buy yourself a half an hour. Do it. 
that's, that's awesome. Hour. That's a that's value. That's, that's a great a like, time, right? That's a great making dinner task too, or yeah. like activity because they can. You be could in the even kitchen. do it in the house. Like yeah. it's a little messier. They kind of shoot them around a little bit, but right. you you Who can cares? do it anywhere. It's water, yeah. right? That's right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So mine is, we are kind of a big, I, I wouldn't say we're as extreme as minimalism, but we're probably on the spectrum. We're towards minimalism. They could be on the TV show. Maybe. <laughs> we can maybe, maybe have a TV show. Uh, just decluttering. So I okay. just, we try not to have things around the house that we're not actively using each day or at least once a week. And so if we have things like, we don't have a lot of baskets on the floor with stuff or a lot wow. of stuff on the shelves. We try to keep things as simple as possible. And it truly does make stuff management easier and Mm -hmm. faster. And it's also helps with the kids to be able to clean up because they're just less things to put away. So really, I think just two to three big pushes a year, like taking a weekend (laughs) and saying, we're going to go through the whole house and like anything we are not using Mm -hmm. is going to storage or it's given away. They're ruthless. Um, We are ruthless, but honestly, like that helps me keep our house like tidy and pretty orderly Mm -hmm. with five kids. I couldn't do it if I had a billion things to clean up. One time Emily told me, they don't keep anything. What, what was it? Below shoulder level <laughs> or something like that. Oh yeah. When my kids were young. Yeah. When they were really little, everything, wow. anything that like could be moved or could changed. be like destroyed or like spread all over the house. Yeah. It was above shoulder level. <laughs> that is amazing. You must have a lot of cabinet space or shelving or something. <laughs> yeah, not, a, not anymore. But yeah. It's a, back in the day. Like, I did yeah, that strategy. When the kids were younger. Yeah. Okay. Do you offer this as a professional service? Because I feel like <laughs> I might be, I might be your opposite on the spectrum. I'm like, I just love the ta- the target dollar aisle. And I'm like, look uh-huh. at this cute thing. And then I, you know, have... Yeah. 20 of those cute things and they're no longer cute. Yeah. So. True story though. I am that way. Like yes. I love eclectic. Knick-knacks. Oh, I love like the knickknacks and the clear, but my <laughs> husband is exactly the opposite, but I value it. Cause on the days when like there's tons of chaos, even though sometimes I wish our house was a little cozier and like had a little bit more things. I'm it's, it makes cleaning up the cinch. Yeah. Oh man. Now I'm like really intrigued because that's, that's not an area of strength for me. That is a weakness <laughs> that way, but I'm just not that way. Yep. So yeah, I, get it. I, I hide it. I hide it. Well, like you wouldn't know how much stuff is in those cabinets, but no, oh, yeah. Yeah. open them and it would just be like all right there. Have you heard of Ali Casaza? No. no, she's like a, she's a minimalist and she's a Christian mom that no. has plat- courses like digital courses that teach women oh. how to do what you're describing. And I've even bought one and <laughs> finished it because I don't know, I struggle, but it's, <laughs> her stuff is really great. It's kind of cool. Oh, that's cool. There you go. Okay. So what do you guys do for fun? Ooh, right now my newfound thing is taking our three oldest boys on a bike ride for even up to like 45 minutes or an hour, they like massively turned a corner this summer mm-hmm. from like scraggly bike riding, <laughs> not being able to go very far to being able to ride in like an active way that we can all enjoy. So anytime I can get out for a bike ride with the boys, I try to do that. And I love going to the pool with them as well, where I can just sit and read a book and soak up the sun while they splash around mm-hmm. is, is really great. Awesome. So I'm going to sound a little bit nerdy here. My husband is really into birding, like looking at birds, you know. Oh, wow. (laughs) Birding. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, (laughs) So he's kind of into that. I don't know. It was was something that his dad loved to do. And so I feel like he's just kind of picked that up. So we've recently moved out to like a one and a half acre 
acre plot of land, but we have a lot of other land around us. And so I'm sort of getting into wildflowers and identifying Mm. like Midwest native plants. And we love to go hiking and I see all of these beautiful flowers or I see them growing around my yard. And I'm like, what is that? I want to know. And so I recently bought a book on it and it's kind of my new thing of just trying to identify. I actually think they're termed weeds. Like I, the book Mm -hmm. would say these are all weeds, but a lot of them are wildflowers. And so that's kind of like my new interest or hobby that I can ID stuff along with my husband while he is like giddily watching birds in our backyard. Like we're kind of cool. I promise, but we sound super nerdy right now. (laughs) (laughs) We're kind of cool. I promise. I love that. (laughs) That is so cool. Yes. Our book is illustrated by a woman named Emily and there is a ton of beautiful botanicals in our book. Mm. And it was like my dream to be able to incorporate these and like make our book be really, really beautiful. And so I was super grateful because she kind of came in and brought that vision to life so that when you read our book, it's not just the words, like there's all these like gorgeous illustrations. Yeah. It it made me so happy. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's beautiful. Okay. And then finally, how do you rest? Mm. Yeah, mine's kind of an obvious one. I was thinking, you know, I consistently get eight to nine hours of sleep every night. Wow, good for Um, you. I know. Well, and I, I mean, we're normal. Our kids get sick sometimes. Sometimes they need things in the night. But it's just been something that's become a really big priority for me. I'm not someone who can like burn the candle at both ends and be friendly and energetic and ready to engage life every day. So it is something we try to protect. And then I would just also say like having a weekly pattern for me of one day a week for us right now, it's on Sundays of knowing that the day isn't about go, 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 get a bunch of stuff done, get a bunch of house projects done, run to the grocery store, get the laundry folded. I mean, yeah, occasionally we have to do things to take care of our family and prep for Monday, but it's a day that if you want to take a nap, take a nap. If you want to rest and read a book, read a book. It's about going to church and being with our family and resting. And it's kind of everyone's day off in a sense, even though moms never really get a day off. But I I hope that you can see what I mean. And and that pattern has been really, really important to know every week that there is a break coming. It's almost like God knew we needed it or something. Yeah, I mean, like he knows that kind of stuff. Right. (laughs) Uh, I guess I'll echo that then. I Definitely Sabbath. That's something that I've never really understood or done before until more recently. And I love, I love Sundays. They're quickly becoming my favorite day. I think it can still be a struggle at times where my fingers are itching to kind of do work or feel like, oh, I could get caught up or just a little bit ahead. Mm -hmm. It's always something that I think I'm fighting, but it has really, really helped me to really set a harder boundary on that and just take that day to read and enjoy my family. And another thing that I love to do for rest would be just to be with friends, but not necessarily have to cook a meal. Like we love hospitality. We love opening our home, having people there. And it's very, very enjoyable for me. But in terms of rest, I think just like we'll do just drinks on our porch a lot of times and we'll um, just have a friend over for a mid-morning play date. Like that kind of thing to me really being kind of, I'm not a total extrovert, but I have some introverted tendencies, but I definitely think like being with friends, getting to talk can be really energizing for me as well. So Yeah. That's awesome. Thanks for sharing that you guys. And thank you so much for just encouraging, you know, the listeners today with gospel hope and and why we need it as moms and pointing us back to the truth. I really appreciate you guys and love what you're doing. Well, thanks for having us on. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much. 
And just so people know when, remind us again when your book comes out and where they can stay tuned in on all of that. Sure. Yeah. Our book comes out on September 3rd of this year, 2019. And you can stay tuned at risenmotherhood.com forward slash book has lots of info about where to purchase it. It's available anywhere books are sold for pre-order. It's Amazon, Christian book and Barnes and Noble. Noble. Those are target pre-order all those places. So, and then of course, social media at risen motherhood, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Awesome. All right. Thank you guys so much. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. This week over on Instagram, I'm going to be giving away five copies of Emily and Laura's book, Risen Motherhood. You're going to want to go to my Instagram page, hayleywilliams.kindled, and check out the post with the photo of their book. I'm going to post it on Monday afternoon, September 2nd, and uh, that is where you'll want to go to enter to win one of those five copies. And then next week, be sure and come back. I'm going to be chatting with my friend Jeanette Tapley of the It's Time for Coffee podcast, and we are going to be talking about friendship. In the meantime, if you haven't left a review on the podcast, I would love if you would do that. I don't fully understand how that works. I just know that when you leave a review in a star rating, those two items together really help the podcast get found in other people's feeds on iTunes um, or in their podcast app. So if you would do that, I would appreciate it so much. And be sure that when you're in there, you have clicked subscribe so you get all of the new episodes automatically delivered to your phone when they come out. Have a great week. I'll see you guys next Monday.